Hey, the crazy ones, the misfits, rebels, troublemakers, round packs and square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can do is ignore them, because they change things, they push the human race forward. And while some may see them as a crazy ones, we see genius. Welcome to the Trish Show, hosted by Samandar Shanov. Please briefly introduce yourself to our audience, and then we move on. Uh, hi, Eddie. Welcome to the show. First, briefly introduce yourself to our audience, and then we move on. Thanks a lot, uh, Samadar. My, my name is Eddie Digia. I'm uh, the co-founder of Equal Finance, which is a financial platform where we help working-class American families and individuals access financial literacy and management tools, along with small dollar interest-free lending up to 36 months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see on your website, you have this valid proposition. This is so provocative. So don't pay interest anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's, so, that's, that's the idea. <laughs> that's awesome. Man. So uh, it has its own uh, position. I mean, uh, yeah, unique uh, point of view in the market. So I think it captures the large, uh, yeah, large fraction of the market. So um, yeah, interest-free loans repayable over 36 months. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I we kind of believe, like when you really look at kind of the lending space and kind of where the genesis came from is partly when you look at the payday lending market, um, which is you know super high interest rates, um, individuals more or less get screwed up because of the fact that they're paying interest and fees and they can never really get out of the debt cycle, especially because of the fact that these are individuals who don't really get access to traditional financial lending and financial inclusion um, products or inclusive financial products. And so I thought, you know, maybe there's a model where it can be a little bit more equitable or a little bit more fair. And I thought, okay, instead of charging 15%, why don't we go to zero? Because I think in reality, I think for this particular demographic, zero makes sense because, you know, when you look at all the data out there, people are struggling, people are living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, finances is actually a very difficult thing, especially when you don't have a lot of, you know, assets. So, yeah, that's why we made it, we made it zero percent. And hopefully it, 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 it does attract that particular consumer and, you know, helps a lot of people along the way. It definitely does, of course. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, actually, before digging deeper into uh, what you do and how it works, first, let's start from the fundamental questions. Why you do what you do? So what's your vision for a better future? What's the end game here? So your core purpose, yeah. Well, yeah. Is there yeah, any backstory you would long, like to share? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this. I was, I was about to have this conversation with you was the backstory. Where did this all come from? So um, it kind of starts, it comes in three different phases. So the first phase is my, my background is digital advertising, marketing, advertising technology, performance marketing. Started my career off in 2003 at Google. 
and have been kind of around kind of the, the technology space and how do you utilize big data to more or less encourage people to click on stuff and buy stuff. And, I, I, you know, as you go through that for a while, you start to realize the consequences of it and kind of the value, kind of the, the relationship between the customer and kind of like what your end client is. And I started to realize that the value creation that we were providing as middleware services wasn't really that great. Um, it, you know, the consumer is getting either an Instagram filter or, you know, some, some sort of thing, but, you know, we're leveraging their data to more or less, you know, make tons of money. I mean, if you look at the advertising technology space, it's huge marketplace, so hundreds of billions of dollars. You know, if you look at Facebook, Google, their market cap is huge. And so that in the back of my head has always been kind of a thing is like, is there a better, better model um, behind that to be able to provide more value to the consumer? And so I moved out to Germany. Like fast forward, um, I moved out to Germany in 2012 to, to start a company. It's called PubNative, which was a native advertising company, which we sold in 2019. And we were integrating you know, our SDK into a number of different apps. And I got, a, I got completely sick of the space after a certain point and got my, my uh, ended up going back to school. So I got my executive MBA through Keller Northwestern and VAU, which is a German university here. And one of our professors, um, kind of broached the topic of the student loan debt issue in the States, which is like a $1.8 trillion like issue. And he was like, if anyone solves this problem, you know, you'll be a multi-billionaire. And so I'm in business school and I'm lucky, like I could, I, I was able to afford school altogether myself. And then, you know, on my undergrad at Maryland, I was able to, my, my parents were fantastic and they were able to support me through, through university. And, you know, I, I took a job. So long story short, I was like, oh, is there a model that could work for this? And I started digging deeper and deeper to the student loans segment. And you start to think, oh, it's, you know, people who take a hundred grand. But the reality is there's like, like a ton of people who take less than like 10 grand. And these are the people who are drop, like defaulting and, um, you know, having forbearance on, on, on that size. So it's, it's not like they need, a, it's not a lot of money that they're actually dealing with. It's actually really small. Um, so long story short, I did a ton of research around it. And then I started looking at kind of the FinTech space and kind of different alternative lending models and the payday lending space came about. And I was like, oh, that's a terrible space. So wrote my thesis, did a lot of research on kind of the payday lending space and alternative financial services and decided, okay, well, the financial crisis hit, I need a job. You know, I was lucky to have sold, but I was getting itchy. And this is kind of the third part of kind of the, where this kind of origin story comes about is I ended up taking a job at a company called Morantix, which is a company builder here in Germany. It's an AI deep tech company builder. And along the way, I was researching a bunch of different things like how to you know, create a new smart toilet, how to um, look at you know, using computer vision to identify if a cow was happy. And one was like a, a real estate project, which was like, okay, how do we identify places where people are moving to so that we can, you know, invest and develop? And could we utilize alternative data for this? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, you can, because I had a couple of friends who had like large apps and we worked with a number of large apps and they were more or less selling kind of their SDK data to like, not only us, but, and, you know, traditional market research firms, but like also to like hedge funds and you know government agencies and and they were telling me it was like it was kind of bananas and so i started to kind of research more into it for this particular topic and i started to realize that you know why couldn't 
I, there was one quick, weird stat that I saw that in like 2017, MasterCard sold off all their credit card data and made roughly about $400 million off of that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's super powerful. Now, what is that at you know, a very small scale? And you're starting to find a bunch of different companies making tons of money off of kind of financial transaction information. And people were just buying this, like hedge funds and private equity shops were buying this. And I said, oh, well, could my model work where like in the back of my head is like the value creation of individual data to, uh, to the consumer. And could you find a way to take that data and actually pay it back to the consumer? Um, and, and I was like, oh yeah, this kind of makes sense. So why, why not take a topic where con- consumers are completely like screwed, which is people who are taking these alternative financial services and, you know, kind of take away the core problem, which they deal with is not actually paying back the 300, 400 bucks that they owe, but paying it back so quickly and with the interest and fees that compound constantly, because these financial services want you to constantly pay the fees. That's how they make their money. Mm. And so then I said, you know, like, what if I just gave the money up front for the consumer was hundred percent transparent to them and said, Hey, we're going to utilize our data, anonymize it, and then kind of aggregate it and then resell it downwards. Could that be a model that could kind of create a win-win for both sides? the financial institutions who are looking for kind of more rich data and then the other side for consumers to be able to have money to more or less deal with their everyday everyday needs. Because like when you look at the kind of the, the profile of a consumer who's in the payday lending space, sorry, I'll, I'll talk you to death on this, but like when you look at that profile, it's like traditionally people who make under $35,000, traditionally minor- minorities, um, single families, um, people who don't have like, you know, a higher education and living in urban cities and, you know, they're, they're struggling. And then you see like COVID afterwards and you start to see like one third of all Americans can't even pay for their, um, you know, their electricity bills and 450, like, you know, 60% don't have like $450 in their bank accounts. And people are saying that they're living paycheck to paycheck. It just becomes like, you start to like think about it and just, whoa, this is a huge problem and it's not a lot of money that someone needs just to kind of get by. And so that's kind of mm. how the model came about. Mm-hmm. So that's when you got this every moment, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. It, it was just like, it was, but it was like, it was, it was all weird. It's like, it all happened throughout my career. It's like, okay, one side was like, okay, I'm, I'm the ad guy, ad tech guy. It was like, kind of like understanding like how we're leveraging data and just like, didn't seem, it didn't seem right to me. And then all of a sudden going to school and just researching something that was just so foreign to me that, you know, I just really wanted to d- dig deep. And then the Eureka moment was like, okay, this model can completely work. It can't, doesn't have to be completely an ad supported model. It could be, you know, really a, uh, an emerging kind of industry um, that people are leveraging. And, uh, you know, and then at the end of the day, it's for good because at the end of the day, we're trying to really impact people and, you know, one of the things that we really want to do with the data is really not just only give the money. That, that's like one thing. There's a lot of cool services that do that. Dave, Chime, you know, like, there's, a, there's a lot of people who do kind of cash advance type stuff. But the reality is what we really want to do is kind of 
like look at the consumer from the consumption side. So taking financial information, your online data, your mobile data, really taking a holistic view of you as a consumer and provide just in time like learnings and couponing. So like, you know, you don't learn about finance. You don't necessarily want to learn about finances, especially, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, dealing with your kids, dealing with having to pay rent and, and all the kind of the stressful things in life. But if you could, you know, kind of nudge people along based off of information within kind of like a cool gamified app, you know, maybe that's something that would resonate with a consumer. Um, and so we're kind of building that out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, what you're doing is so profoundly important is uh, people at the beginning, uh, people may not really care about the gamification part, so they will gladly use the service because it's something that's uh, new in the market and the business, like the only thing that's really uh, interesting for me is the business model. So if the business model works and if you're able to do this in a sustainable way, then I think you will unlock uh, great value in the market. So and both for consumers and at the same time for businesses, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, like deploying capital um, to that particular consumer at that particular time when they're in need is, you know, like where we think we can impact immediately. We think because of the fact that the term of a loan is so long, we, we purposely made it that way. One, it becomes extremely affordable. It turns into a Spotify, monthly Spotify subscription back in terms of like your repayment. Uh, back on that loan, but the same side of it is that you, you as a consumer, can are kind of, you know, signing up to a program where we're constantly trying to nudge you into making better decisions about your finances. I think there was like a survey that said like sixty percent of all Americans don't even know how to like put together a proper budget. You know, obviously that's something that we try to teach you how to do. So you know, that's why it's it's kind of purposeful in that regard. It's not only just giving you money at that more amount of time, but it's really you know making it super affordable. And how can we help you learn? The best way to make you learn is actually you know by creating a program where it, it creates a construct where there's time. Um, you know, in the advertising digital game gaming space, it's all about like lifetime value of the consumer. How long can we keep that consumer coming back over and over again? And so, you know, ideally, you know, how can I um, create a product that kind of not traps the consumer, but kind of creates a boundary by which it allows them to kind of learn um, and, and, and allows us to provide like that on top services because by providing long-time services, we add value. But at the same time, as we learn about the consumer over a longer period of time, it's extremely valuable to market research firms, to advertising agencies, to hedge funds, because you really see the complete profile of the consumer over a long period of time. So then you can provide you know, potentially better products and services. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it means uh, the uh, idea of gamification came about from the need of that consumers uh, have struggling to uh, build solid uh, strategy to pay their uh, the loan back, and so if you if you guide them through this process, and they will be uh, it will it will create a lot of value. I think in terms of since most of them, as you stated, don't have enough financial education to be able to pay back. So if you uh, through this practice, if you teach them, 
I think it's a, like learning on the way. Let's learning in real world, like how to pay back your finances. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. That's that's the core idea because you're always learning over time. Like when you when you buy a car, or you buy a house, or you you know you know buy something big. You know you 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 feel the you feel the the pain of that, and you want to learn how not to make that mistake again. Or you want to make you know you want to make better optimal choices, and so our services ideally to help them make better optimal like choices as they evolve in their financial kind of history or their financial kind of career. If you think about it, so yeah, and yeah, that's that's kind of how we think about things. Yeah, and at the same time, uh, since uh, from very beginning you made the right intention, so but when entering the market, and so and because. You're, you don't want uh, just other uh, lenders to uh, sort of uh, ma- make them to sort of, uh, uh, it, it can sound really rude, but <laughs> financially slave, right? So uh, when you will not be able to, like they will, uh, as you keep being tied on, bounded by the loan, uh, you have to pay more and more interest and it will be really hard to, to trap to avoid. And in your case, your intention is not to make money from the interest. So you have the right incentives, which is uh, the incentive is, hey, look at this. Uh, so uh, we don't, you don't have to pay interest. So we don't want to trap you here. And you are transparent about that. Uh, you aggregating their data for uh, certain uh, f- financial companies, right? So it can be for calculating uh, let's say uh, credit scores, right? For example, mm-hmm. or calculating for uh, like risk in, uh, analysis, right? Assessments. Mm-hmm. So it can be for marketing purposes as well. Yeah. So uh, if you're making it clear and transparent, then I think it's a great idea. So it's a great uh, way to leverage uh, the user data and at the same time, uh, in exchange of great value of zero pay, uh, based interest. And, yeah, um, yeah, and so in a, another way of saying the interest is that selling the money uh, for, for, for higher price, like you sell the money for higher price, right? So when you- mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so, like, so for like every loan, yeah, so like for every loan that we 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 try to provide, we can make roughly about three hundred and eighty dollars on top of of that loan. So ideally, our 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 initial sweet spot is roughly about three hundred bucks. And so for every three hundred we give, we make three hundred over a three year period. So I think that's pretty fair. We make money off of a subscription, like we charge like a one dollar a month subscription, um, and then the rest of it is off of kind of you know interchange fees. And also um, advertising and um, and data sales. So it's like a very mixed model revenue structure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And same time, you mentioned regarding the subscription. I think subscription is fair as well. Like just like the advertising, I think it's fair. At the same time, for the scale of your company, if you start up and if you if, when you have a built to scale the business then subscription model can be really great business. I mean, uh, because you're not bound, you don't, you don't have physical boundaries just like banks have, right? For example, 
or other uh, companies have. So it means uh, you will not I uh, to charge a lot one person, but instead you charge more people, but by uh, less money, right? So this is yeah. how it can be really sustainable for the long run. And if you're able to automate that, all these processes and decrease the customer acquisition cost and, and other uh, costs uh, that was not possible before, right? Let's say. So I think uh, that unlocks a lot of value. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing. As long Once we start to, I mean, our core proposition is we have to prove and we want to prove that we can provide more money to you as the consumer and we can help kind of guide you in your financial, your financial journey. Um, and so if we, if we can deliver on that promise, then I think, you know, we create a lot of value and we can, you know, charge, you know, a, a nominal subscription rate. And in terms of, you know, from a CAC or customer acquisition cost, you know, we've talked to, we've kind of, actually, it was interesting. Um, we started talking to kind of foundations and kind of the NGO space who is looking at the financial inclusion, financial literacy space you know, saying, hey, can we create, you know, best-in-class programs or leverage your best-in-class programs to be able to offer that to our consumers? And, you know, th- there's a lot of, you know, uh, organizations who are, you know, tackling this problem on, on the grassroots level. Um, so that potentially could help us kind of mitigate a lot of the cost just by doing um, kind of co-branded programs or, you know, supporting, you know, the existing programs as a channel partnership. Um, the other side of it is, you know, we brought on board Apple to App from the Black Eyed Peas. Um, he and I have a connection um, because of the fact that he's in the kind of the financial inclusion space and social impact space in the Philippines. And we have a, um, my background is Filipino American. And, you know, we pitched him on this idea and he loved it. And he said, look, you know, it, you know, let me try to help out as much as I can in terms of, you know, utilizing kind of my, my celebrity status or my influencer status to be able to promote these, uh, to promote this program. And so you know, um, we're, we're, we're thinking of like more of an ecosystem approach because like you can just be, we could just be like another chime or, you know, if we're really successful at raising, we just deploy capital and just, you know, provide banking services. But the reality is to solve this particular problem, it really does take a village uh, to, to support it. And so how do we leverage government, nonprofit organizations, and social media influencers to be able to actually support the program and, you know, a, in a smarter way. And so that's kind of been our approach as well. So behind the scenes, we've been, you know, frantically working with, you know, a lot of these organizations um, to kind of get them on board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So when whenever, when you have this right intention of helping people, I think you also have another advantage because you attract the right people on your coast, right? So they will be interested to help you out and they will spread the word for you basically, right? And that will, that will help a lot to boost your business. So it means uh, like I heard this, that whenever you're setting a goal, you have to make sure that uh, your goal also have uh, the benefit for society. So if that's the case, then reaching to, to your goal will be a lot faster because so many people will going to help you basically to achieve this goal. And yeah. uh, so because, uh, yeah, so because at the end of the day, they also want change. They also want to solve this problem. I mean, so, and when when they see that 
you are on to solving this problem, they will join you, right? They will join the course. And uh, at the same time, uh, if you look at uh, the traditional way of uh, le like lending money and so forth, why it uh, f so far it uh, dominated this uh, sort of the space is uh, uh, because people see that uh, because of the information asymmetry. So pe uh, the people don't have access to the information uh, about the uh, real uh, value of the money. At the same time, as you stated, no education, like people have uh, less education. So the interest fee is, uh, uh, is they, they cannot, uh, like, I think most of the people who took, who take such loans are inexperienced people. And they take yeah. once and for the next, for, and they will never take it again because they know how soft they suffer it. So, and this is sort of the trap that you enter only once or maybe twice, but not more. <laughs> so, well, uh, unfortunately, this, the data doesn't show that. You, what you end up mm, finding is a lot of people end up taking this over and over again. Over, um, over. I spoke mm. with, yeah, I spoke, I, I spoke with like the CEO of Wonga, and he was saying at one point, you know, he was servicing roughly about a third of the, the total British public because of the fact that from a consumer perspective, people unfortunately are really living day, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And when you're dealing with gap financing, you really don't have any other recourse, especially if your, your credit is bad. And so, you know, if you're, if you're lucky, you have a family member who can help you out from time to time. But generally speaking, you, you end up having to go to kind of this underground, not necessarily underground market, but like this market where it's just not helpful. Like, um, I talked to a number of other kind of payday lenders in, in Europe, and what you're finding is the people who come back, they come back because they really just don't have money and they, they have no other option. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we break this cycle of, you know, having them go to these kind of alternative financial services and, you know, we, we help them make better financial decisions over time. And, and I think the reality is, you know, your, your wages might be stagnant, but your ability to make better consumption de decisions instead of, you know, buying, you know, I don't know, Clorox, you buy Tide instead because it's you know 20% cheaper and you can buy it in bulk. And that's something that we can recommend you do that potentially over a longer period of time, you know, saves more money to you that allows you not to, you know, require more money to, to kind of live paycheck to paycheck. Um, and those are types of things that were really like, that's where I really want to kind of, you know, you know, impact is really on the consumption level to be able to help them identify like, oh, these are the things in your budget that you're kind of spending on. Maybe there's a better, cheaper alternative for there's, you know, over a longer period of time, if you, you know, you reduce your phone bill or you only you know, consume X amount of data, then you can you know, not, you know, pay as much, you know, things like that. That's, that's where for me, like the advertising, you know, kind of, you know, ad serving side of my experience and how we can actually impact consumers on a very micro level um, and very tailored micro level is something that's really fascinating for me from just like a, like a personal level. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the combination of different experiences allowed you to see the value. I mean, 
uh, if if the person had only one specific expertise without knowing other industries, it will be very hard to connect the dots, right? So now you're able to connect those dots because uh, you've been there, done that. So yeah, kind of. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, and at the same time, uh, uh, yeah, looking at the, at the uh, field both from insider perspective and outsider perspective helps. So the insiders don't want to be disrupted, right? So if you've been in the space of, you know, lending and you are making money on interest, then of course you don't want to disrupt this space, right? But in your case, it's completely different. You you have this, uh, that, uh, you have experience in advertising uh, space and at the same time, you know how people suffer from the loans. And so, and you know the space and so that, that, that you can bring the change. If you bring the change, you know that how it will be impactful for uh, society. So, and how do you think, uh, like, um, like you already uh, mentioned some of those ramifications of not solving this problem. So, and uh, potentially the people uh, can be uh, like suicidal, right? So they, because they are unable to pay mm-hmm. or so it can cause them depression. Yeah, and so, and it can really impact their career as well. And so, and th- those are the, some of those ramifications of uh, not solving this problem. So and if you, if you, and when you solve this, uh, like you, you have lots of supporters uh, who will uh, champion the products, he will spread the word and that will, um, accelerate the the, uh, the adoption rate of the product. So, and uh, I think especially uh, it can be. I think, in my opinion, can be very interesting for uh, two billion people. <laughs> Those two billion people. <laughs> I'm talking about the uh, the Muslims, right? So, because it's prohibited uh, in their uh, in the, uh, in the religion. So, and uh, because uh, because uh, uh, they don't uh, like uh, it. Make it can make them, uh, as we stated, uh, depressed, uh, suicidal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, it's a it's a way to protect them from those harms. That's why it's both prohibited to get get a uh, interest loan, and at the same time, giving interest loan is also prohibited. So it's two times. And it's not only for uh, prohibited to give a loan to Muslims, it's also prohibited to give a loan to non-Muslims as well. So mm-hmm. if I am Muslim, uh, I am Muslim actually. And if I give you interest, it's it's prohibited for me to give you loan, uh, interest-based loan. So because uh, you should not become my kind of, uh, how to say, uh, sort of uh, slave. It yeah. sounds rude, but it's true, actually. So it mm-hmm. will be very hard trap to avoid. So, and also it's very recommend that even you give, even you give uh, the loan, which is interest-free, you're giving a loan. It's very recommended if you do some mercy. For example, you can uh, tell, okay, you don't have to, you, you can, you don't have to pay. Like, I, 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 it's my gift for you. So that's it. So it's also encouraged to do this in our religion. So. Because uh, yeah, it's uh, and uh, I'm describing now that this uh, to people, but this market is so big. If it's possible to uh, unlock this new value proposition 
uh, in a sustainable way. I think it's really great to uh, this type of business. I mean, uh, yeah. And you also mentioned regarding subscription model. It's also really uh, exciting for me because I think at the end of the day, um, if you're able to digitize whole process that banks previously were not able to, or uh, lenders or uh like this type of uh, companies, creditors, we're not able to do before. So if you're able to digitize most of those processes, you will decrease the cost rate. So, and uh, what remains is some variable cost. I mean, if you remove all the fixed costs and just variable costs, and it means uh, you can scale this business to billions of people. <laughs> So, I mean, that's, that's the hope. Yeah. I mean, my co-founder, my co Stefan, uh, he and I worked together, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, he was the former deputy CFO at Revolut. And so I'm really hoping that he could help, you know, kind of normalize <laughs> processes and make, make sure that we're doing everything, obviously, above board. Um, we want to be, you know, regulated and, and you know, work with, you know, all the, uh, the appropriate regulators. But, you know, he would be able to help us kind of make that process very seamless and easy and, you know, provide a lot of value uh, behind the scenes. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I see right now, like, a particular need in the U.S. to kind of target a particular audience. But the reality is, like, the grand scheme of it is this is a product that could potentially be utilized throughout the world. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, you as an individual have data. You're constantly contributing to the ether that is, like, the Internet with data, you know, is there models by which we can, you know, create, um, we can provide value back to you financially and also through kind of our on top services. So yeah, I definitely see us moving into other markets, other niches that, you know, that have need, for instance, the Muslim community, I completely see that. I mean, based in Europe, you know, lending is not a big thing, especially in Germany. But it is a big thing in Spain, uh, Russia, the Eastern Bloc, the Nordics, uh, Amsterdam, or the, the Netherlands, and you know France, the UK. So there are places where you know this product and service could potentially you know fill a need for a lot of people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And um, uh, I think uh, when uh, when you have such product that's uh, socially impactful. It's also possible to apply for some uh, sort of uh, grants, right? Go government based gra grants, right? So, because you, you're not just startup, you're a startup that's like sort of social enterprise, right? So, yeah. socially uh, important enterprise, or so called social entrepreneurship, right? So, there are so many different variations of this, <laughs> but uh, it all uh, tells us that you put the, the people's need uh, at first on the priority. So, and um, how do you think if um, uh, if this founding insight it's it's a it's a, is is it the market or technology? It's, I think it's a market insight, right? So it's a market insight. So you see that there is a market for uh, advertising, and there is a market for uh, the interest-free loans, right? So the you see these two things and so you, and you have this insight. So in terms of technology, uh, have you explored uh, some of those insights that can ma uh, make it uh, uh, even more compelling to the customer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in, it's in the data. It's like really understanding you as a con- consumer, right? Your, your online world is one representation of you. Your financial world is another representation of you. And if you can merge the two together to get a complete profile of you as a consumer, as you as a, you know, a, um, a, you know, where you are at any given time, um, that is actually an extremely powerful thing. Um, and you've seen, you know, massive companies do this, you know, Tencent, for instance, Alibaba, these are massive companies. I mean, I had a, my previous company, we had offices in Beijing and I was just completely floored when I was starting to use WeChat. And, you know, that kind of all in one solution is, you know, is great, but at the same time, it's completely scary. And so from our perspective, like, how do we provide the the best best case solution for a particular consumer? And how do we utilize technology so that we're one privacy compliant? Because privacy is actually super important for me. Living in Germany, we have GDPR and all that stuff. But generally speaking, I, I believe that people own their data and they should have con- absolute control over it. And you know, how do we you know safeguard technology so that we are kind of of humanistic about how do we use it for good for the interest of that particular consumer at that particular time um and you know that might sound you know uh you know puppy dogs and fairy tales in essence but generally speaking that's the 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 ethos of you know how we're building this company it really is for the consumer driving driving as much value to them as possible because at the end of the day it's their data you know, it's, 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 it's who they are and they should, they should have mm-hmm. control over it. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And also, uh, have you thought about this way to help, like give them a control over uh, where, with whom they will yeah. be able to share? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely, you know, that's not V1 or maybe even V2, but that's definitely going to be a version three of this thing as we as we scale the business out and as we start to figure out what products make sense and what, you know, what type of information that we're going to, you know, be able to gather, you know, as as we start to see that, then we can start, you know, giving them control. Um, I can definitely foresee us, you know, one part of our product is actually a web browser plugin. So maybe we can utilize a web browser plugin as a consent management solution so that, you know, you know, in, in Europe, there's a lot of, you know, you know, consent management tools that are out there. Maybe this could be a, a solution that kind of, you know, blocks, you know, certain individuals from seeing certain things or certain companies seeing things. Um, and that's definitely on the horizon, or at least in the, the forethought of, you know, where I want to take this, um, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know how how I uh, imagine that is that uh, I have this EQ, EQL app. So and this app requests asks me a consent permission. Uh, so uh, like, hey Samandar, uh, XYZ company wants your financial data. Would you like to share? We we tell about you this 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 information. Are you agree? Yes, that's it. So like. I know that someone is this company is asking. So, uh, for example, let's say um, I want to take, um, I want to use some sort of service, uh, third party service, some sort of third party service, and they integrated with EQL. They integrate with you, and and they ask, and so through EQL they are asking my data, and so and my your app sends me what notification? Hey, Samandar. This, you are using this app right now, and would you like to share your 
uh, the equal data with them, like uh, financially? Yeah, of course, because I need this. Like, you know, so th- th- that gives a lot of transparency to the whole process because it shows me with whom I'm sharing my data. Absolutely. I mean, makes that's definitely you know, part of the ethos of what this is eventually going to be. And uh, I think you're, you're leading towards a couple of features and, you know, that we'll be looking at developing over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, and, uh, and by the way, so I actually want to dig deeper into one topic, which is, I'm really interested. Okay. Why 36 months? <laughs> Is there any specific reason for that, or it's just a hypothetical think, number? <laughs> well, I, I think five years would be too long. It's a little bit intimidating from a consumer perspective. I think three, three years makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, one year, maybe not so much, because when if you're, depending on how much you're taking, it could potentially be you know, more expensive, you know. Mm. Um, and so I mean, do you I have any financial model to explain this or... Yeah, ideally, you know, we wanted to find the price point that, and when you pay back your loan, the install, the monthly installment back, we wanted to find a price point where it wasn't too expensive for the consumer. So the benchmarking was, okay, how much does a Netflix subscription or a Spotify subscription look like? And can we create a term that one fulfills kind of like, you know, that, that one criteria at the same time, that we have a long enough period of time where we see the consumer. Because if we set it for one month or two months, we'll, you know, we don't want to get into a situation where we get a consumer and they leave after they've and they've paid it back. I mean, that's a great outcome for that particular consumer, but for, for us in terms of proving the model or you know, in, you know, making the business model work, it really is like we need that consumer to stay on for a longer period of time because it helps kind of our our third parties get better information about the consumer and it also allows us to make better uh, decisions about that consumer in terms of helping them kind of financially understand like their, their situation. So that's kind of the trade-off that we were looking at was, can you keep it, you know, like a Spotify subscription, but not super long where it becomes kind of weird for the consumer. Like all of a sudden you're paying a 10 year loan that seemed, and you're paying like, you know, 20 cents, 20 cents a month that just becomes kind of like fishy. Um, and so we, we landed on three, three years. Um, doesn't mean that the consumer has to stay on for all three years. They can pay the loan back at any given time frame. But generally speaking, what it does, the, the length allows us to learn more about the consumer and lo- helps them learn about their finances. So we think there's kind of like a kind of like an ecosystem kind of like spinny, spinny wheel that we can kind of, you know, kind of symbiotically help help each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's for a sustainability of the business. Yeah, and all right, all right. So, how do you think, uh, uh, like, in terms of transformation, uh, what's the transformation? Like, how's going to change people's life? Well, I think. I mean, one, it, it helps the consumer right then and there, kind of like deal with the finances, helps them pay their rent, you know, buy foods for for their kids or you know, um, pay down certain debt. I mean, you hear, like, we ask each person to kind of tell us why they want this loan. And a lot of it is, you know, their car just broke down and they need the cash to be able to fix it. So it allows them to get to their job uh, or they need money to buy books for their kids. 
Um, so I think that just immediately helps the consumer um, just kind of you know solve the problem. Uh, and the second side of it is we think that it helps because one, you know, they learn about their finances and you know more or less about finance itself. And two, um, we also help them inject couponing into their into their kind of everyday life. And so then we provide more money in terms of savings to the consumer. So I think you know you know when we look at it, you know we help. Like ideally, we help immediately. We help in the midterm in terms of the couponing, and we help in the long term in terms of you know getting them financially aware and allowing them to make better financial decisions. And then you have obviously the knock-on effects of you know you know depression. You have you know kind of the, the you know the mental the mental health aspects of it all. Um, you also you're encouraging your children a lot of times because when you really learn about finances, you learn from your parents. I learned my finances from my parents, um, and you know, they're they're immigrants from the Philippines, and they didn't really have a lot of you know financial ed- education. So you know you you can start to pass those kind of indirect benefits downwards to um, to your to your kids, or if you're you know just you know a student. You know, getting into the financial space, then you are starting to learn at an earlier age, as opposed to, you know, like me when I'm in my I'm in my late thirties. I now learned, you know, how to deal with finances. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, and so another thing I'm really curious is about. Um, we know this technology space changed, you know, a lot. So things changed so fast, like we couldn't imagine. So, and now um, we see this. It's uh, it's way more fast than ever before, and uh, and one of the famous strategies used by Jeff Bezos is that uh, he focuses on things that doesn't change over the long term run. So, for example, he says that even after ten years, people still want to have uh, you know uh, fast shipping. They want faster shipping. No one wants to delay shipping, <laughs> and also he says. Uh, people want uh, ch- uh, the cheaper. They want no one wants to buy something expensive, and uh, at the same time, um, they want a quality product, right? So the, those are the three things that will never change. So if you focus on fulfilling those three things, we have a business, he says. So and that's why I'm interested. How do you think in your space, in this space, what's not going to change in the next ten years? People are always going to need money. Uh, people, you know, um, are always going to need financing for, you know, you know, small dollar financing to, to, you know, you know, pay their bills. You know, people unfortunately will also like, you know, make poor, you know, financial decisions, and kind of will have to pay the pay the consequences. And sometimes that's in high interest debt. And, you know, ideally, you know, we're there to help them not fall into that situation. So I think, you know, people always need money uh, until something utopic happens. Uh, but I don't think that's that's the reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, uh, at the same time, um, people, um, yeah, the whenever... Uh, if you ask them, hey, do you want interest-free free loan or interest-based loan? They will always choose interest-free loan. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, I mean, the value proposition is obviously there, right? Um, you know, when we when we started testing this, like the the adoption rate was bananas, um, and you know, we we saw a lot of people make 
the appropriate decision as to, you know, utilizing our service. So, yeah, I think, you know, it, that will always be uh, there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so another question that I often love asking from founders is, uh, what's the most essential but non-obvious need your product will fulfill? In other oh. words, what emotions, impressions, and psychological impact you're selling? <laughs> I think we want to be a part of, we want to be like that uncle. Everyone has like a rich uncle, unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, to, you know, help guide and um, have someone go to. And so ideally, we want to be that service for for someone who might not necessarily have that person uh, or, you know, that structure in, in their life. And so I think that's kind of what we we eventually want to be is really a confidant, a, 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 a trusted advisor, um, you know, someone who's, you know, not part of the family, but, you know, part of the family. Um, and I think that's, that's I, it comes from the mission-driven aspect of it all um, and kind of, you know, the ethos of what we're trying to build here um, as well. Mm-hmm. Basically, someone who you could rely on when you have some financial difficulty, right? Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's the idea. Because a lot of times you don't go to your parents, you don't go to your family members. It's you know, money is always a weird thing to to do. Like you, you can do it as a kid because it's kind of like there, but then as you get a little bit older, it's harder and harder to to deal with the the stigma of owing someone or, you know, asking for, for someone. And so can we be that intermediary where, you know, where, where you can trust us to, to, to understand who you are and, and also be that uncle to be able to say, hey, you know, you got to get your stuff in order. You know, this is kind of, you know, based off of what would I see, this is what you should potentially do. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's kind of what the balance that we want to be. We want to be, you know, not only compassionate, but at the same time, you know, being able to kind of educate and, you know, pr- create awareness so that you can grow, not just, you know, I, I help you at this particular point. It's really, how can we help you grow? Mm. So then it's uh, uncle NQ, EQL <laughs> will uh, also Ideally, educate me about my finances. <laughs> well, I mean, we could all use help, right? Like, I mean, there's so many different financial tools now out there. Um, that do a great job. It's just, you know, it's from a consumer perspective, it's just like, how do you decide which one is which? And, you know, can we, can we help them? That's, you know, that's the, the, the core goal for us is we, we want to help. Mm-hmm. All right. So why not to call this project as Uncle Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. I, I might be a founder who's crazy, but I'm not super, I'm not that narcissist. I actually, I actually hate like being on these things and, and talking, talking about my project. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. All right. All right. Awesome. Um, by the way, um, yeah, I often like asking this question, even though I, I already have some idea of what is that? I mean, I already see the wow factor of your idea. And in your in your opinion, what is that? So what's the wow factor of your idea from word of mouth marketing perspective? So why I mean, people should talk about you? I mean to their it's, friends. It's 
for, I mean, just from a basic marketing perspective, just the value proposition is so strong. So like, I mean, as, as a consumer, like this is, you, you, th- you, it's in essence free money. I mean, with, with, with terms associated to it, but you know, once you really look, look at it, it's more or less free money. Uh, and then the on top services that you get in terms of being able to get the literacy and then the couponing and, you know, eventually, you know, consent management and data management and, you know, all, you know, some, you know, eventually other, you know, great features and products that we would offer, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the wow factor. That's just like, it's kind of like a no brainer um, if you really think about it. And so I think that's ultimately what, what will drive kind of the, the, the cycle of, um, of, you know, kind of word of mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you think, not free money, but zero hesitant money? Oh, that's a good. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll keep that one. You don't feel hesitant, right? So you're asking yeah. because it's not your, uh, as you stated, your parent or relative or someone else, right? And you will uh, keep your face. I mean. You will not be shamed whenever you see them, right? So because yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to pay a loan your back every time you see them. If it's uh, if it's someone uh, uh, you know near to you, so you see him every day, right? It's very hard uh, for this person, and he will feel hesitant for this long time. So I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. And, I'll I'll definitely utilize that. <laughs> At the same time. Uh, you, uh, it's great for word of mouth marketing perspective. This is something that you can, uh, you know, overly tell and tell to people. So something that you can repeat over and over again. So like zero hesitant money, right? And at the same time, by the way, mm-hmm. we talked about regarding uh, what's the psychological impact you, you're selling, right? So uh, impressions, emotion. And when people uh, like hesitance, right? It's uh, one of the core uh, uh emotions of the per- like not emotion maybe let's say uh sort of um we have this tendency right emotional tendency to feel hesitant if you take the loan from someone we know right it's mm-hmm. uh, it's obvious and so and you're rem- you, you're removing that uh feeling you're removing that uncomfortable feeling so because people have uh like psychologists say that they have two tendencies. One is they want to avoid pain. And second is that they want to have pleasure. So they want to reach the pleasure. And people tell me, and and recently what psychologists has found that reason why people avoid pain because it's uncomfortable. And they also tell reason why people want pleasure because they want to uh, avoid this uncomfortableness. So whenever they feel uncomfortable, they either uh, go do something fun, <laughs> so or uh, they try to avoid the pain. So, I mean, the t- the tendency this boils down to what uh, un- uncomfortable uncomfortability, right? So. It means you're removing this factor of uncomfortableness. You're removing this fa- uh, the factor of hesitance, so which is great value proposition in terms of uh, psychological value proposition. Yeah. 
Great. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's a, a good way of summing it up. Um, unfortunately, I, I actually have to run to another call. Um, is, 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 is it okay if I cut us a little bit short? I apologize. <laughs> Ah, that's that's great. Huh? It was a really insightful conversation with you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously, if, if if you want to follow up, I'm I'm more than welcome. I you know, I really appreciate your time and you know what you guys are you know putting together. I think it's fantastic. It you know really does help you know underrepresented founders uh, who are looking at kind of weird, crazy ideas. I mean, I'm, I'm based here in Berlin with my founder, and you know, looking at trying to tackle something in the states. Um, and you guys are providing a platform for that. And that's, that's awesome.